while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. like jump in the middle of the conversation that we're right. having we don't right. give anybody details because <laughs> i guess you can read between the lines right right, right. but right. um so uh welcome to south coast tonight uh third and final hour of the evening um i'm marcus farrow he's chris mccarthy we we're talking a lot in the first hour about um say, you know safe injection sites after a candidate in the ward three special election brought it up by the way carmen amaral who's a candidate in the ward three city council race is going to be joining me tomorrow at 7 p.m so you can tune in hear what she has to say um, and uh, then we talked about Sheriff Heroes, uh, Elect Heroes transition with Sheriff Hodgson and how that's been going and his uh, some comments about the Ash Street Jail's viability going forward. And uh, now I want to move on. Chris wants to move on to an issue that has broader national implications, but still affects us sure, here in Massachusetts. Um, and it's the Supreme Court's decision to uh, maintain, keep in place uh, Title 42. Explain what that is, Mark. So Title 42 uh, is, in the, uh, is in the U.S. Code, um, and it was passed as part of um, this public health law in uh, 1944. And essentially what it's been used for, and it was, it was invoked during the Trump administration in 2020 at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, to, um, you know, under the uh, putting forward the argument that it is in the best interest of public health uh, to turn away people who have been crossing, uh, who have been entering the United States outside of legal ports of entry and also turning away people who are seeking asylum in general. So people who are seeking asylum could just be turned turned uh, turned away. There have been 2.5 million, uh, I think, estimated rejections in total um, as a result of Title 42. Now, um, I think we, you know, we might see differently on this issue, but I think we both agree that the public health um, perspective on this is largely a guy's. I would say so because it was, while it was an issue under Trump. They're telling us it's not an issue. Well, because other countries, and and, and let's, yeah, because other countries were actually doing the same thing. Right. And actually, I remember when uh, they were doing a debate, uh, Trump had said, you know, I did, I put in this policy and you called me a xenophobic, uh, you called me xenophobic. And Biden said, you are xenophobic, but not because of this. Mm-hmm. And Biden kept in this policy for the first two years of his term. Right. And still actually didn't even really turn it. He didn't, he did not lift it. Right. It was a court that said this can't continue right. anymore. And now another court, the, the Supreme court, court, right? The Supreme Court said actually it has to. Right. Here's what's just before we get into the the reasonings, you know, the 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 legitimacy or the the purpose of the law and whether or not that's something that's worth um that's worth following. The reason uh the the uh the the decision by the Supreme Court strikes me as we as odd because basically what they're saying is you 
as an executive in the executive branch who has prosecutorial discretion has to enforce this law or has to enforce this provision. Now, that's weird because the executive branch has prosecutorial discretion, which means they can actually they are the enforcement wing of the government. Correct. They can choose not to enforce laws if they want. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the centerpiece of DACA. Right. Um, So. They can say if you have an executive decree that we're going to do something mm-hmm. and they say, no, that's unconstitutional or no, that violates this law passed by Congress. That's a that's a judicial interpretation, right, that I think makes sense, even though some obviously there's a lot of political thought and implications behind it. But to say you have to enforce this law feels to me like a violation of a, the system of checks and balances that are supposed to be in place and that this nine-person court that's supposed to make independent judicial review is acting as sort of this elder council that has carte blanche over all the laws and even the enforcement mechanisms of uh, every you know every inst- public institution in the country. And, and Marcus, to your point, what can they do if the executive branch ignores them? They can't do anything. Right, they can't fine them. You, you know, the Trump admin- put him in jail. The Trump administration actually did that with the census thing because uh, they had said, "Listen, you're doing you're doing the census wrong. You have to stop doing this. You know, you have to stop collecting census data in this way." And they said, "No, basically, they said, oh, we can't." You know, so they could do it. They don't. They do it sometimes, but they do it more quietly. Mm-hmm. Biden administration is not going to do it here. Right. I think partly because they don't want to. They don't want to. They they. It's very interesting. As I as I was marking before the uh, commercial, if you if you're a regular watcher to CNN, you're just finding out about the border crisis. Yes. Um, if you've been watching Fox, you know about it. Um, CNN. I just noticed that they, they have live cameras at the border now, and among one of the people they they interviewed was someone from Colombia. That's what the person told them. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, for what reason? What I I, I know people from Colombia, quite a few. Um, who travel, they're American citizens now. Yeah. They travel home all the time. Yeah. Right? They have no fear of Colombia. Colombia is a pretty stable country. If you're from Colombia, you have no reason to seek my um, uh, asylum in America yeah. that I can think of. So the, if you're from Cuba, Venezuela, places like that, you do, Nicaragua. Uh, asylum essentially is you're, you're seeking, uh, you're seeking uh, a safe haven from uh, your go- uh, persecution from your government right. for one reason or another. Now, I don't, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that well read on the, you know, the finer details on Colombian politics to know whether or not this person has a, um, has a, uh, you know, has a legitimate reason to be fearful of the gov- uh, of his government uh, for one reason or another. But what I, you know, like, it's not maybe a situation like in El Salvador, Correct. is what you're saying. Oh, no, not at all. Not yeah. At all. You have a little bit more knowledge about yeah, it than and, I do. And it's funny because I do keep up with it. Um, because, uh, you know, Natalie's parents, m- mother's from Colombia. So, yeah, yeah. So um, she goes back. Natalie, go- now, Natalie was born here, but, you know, she's been there. Her family's been back and forth quite a bit. They have family members there that they, that they talk to regularly. Um, and so I read, the, I read the newspapers from Colombia, the, uh, the American, you know, the British papers mostly. Yeah. Um, I follow it. So while there, are, while there are certainly some things that aren't like America, it's not like Nicaragua. It's not like uh, Venezuela. In fact, there's a lot of Venezuelans who are going into Colombia. To seek, you know, a better life. It's a bordering country. Yeah. So when I see a guy from Colombia, it looks to me like, hey, the guy just wants to be. I don't blame yeah. him. He wants to be in America. But he has another way to do it than coming over illegally. When the U.S. government had quietly had a, another Bay of Pigs situation, I think people involved in an operation were actually staying in Colombia, too. 
um, uh, over the over the Venezuelan border. So, yeah, that I don't like. I said you know more about that than I do. So, uh, you know, but Venezuela would be a different story, right? Right. right. Or, or Cuba. Cuba, much different. Obviously, story. you know what was interesting. It's a little bit of a sidetrack, but um, I my Saturday traditions now have been watching political documentaries. Okay, I watched one on the Florida recount in two thousand. And it traces back. It's called uh, I think it's called 537 votes. Okay, which is the difference between Bush and Gore in the in the um, supposedly in the 2000 election. And uh, so it's an, is it an election denier documentary. It's not an election denier. Well, in a way, it is. Okay, in a way, it is. But what they say is because they're talking. Don't want you get in trouble. They're talking about because Clinton won Florida, right? Twice, I believe Clinton won Florida. I believe he did. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Clinton won a lot of southern states that Gore did. Oh, he check certainly out. did. Yes. Yeah, um, including Gore's home state of Tennessee, which he, they had picked up in uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, even. Right. So, um, but what they traced the 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 is, Gore's key issue with winning Florida was because it was such a razor clo- razor thin margin, um, even if Bush, you know, if they, that was the real total, uh, is the alien election gun- denier. The Elian Gonzalez. Don't fall into the election denier trap. It's not an election denier, uh, but um, the Ilian Gonzalez. folks. We might have an election denier. The Well, we, what we do know is the Supreme Court stopped a recount, right? We do know that there should have been a recount and the Supreme Court stopped it. But um, but the Ilian Gonzalez case. But you know Bush won the election. Bush won the election because, <laughs> you know, after the Supreme Court stopped a recount that should not have been stopped. So, so. I think we're. Flirting with election denial here, Marcus. Like I said, I think it's a little bit different. Than, Donald Trump needs your phone number. I think it's a little bit different than losing an election by 10 million votes in a few states and then saying uh, every vote every vote against me was a dead person. But um, but uh, but uh, I think those elections are starkly different for a lot of reasons. But they traced it all. All the Gore's, yeah, issue, go back to, I'm sorry, Gore's I, issue with yeah. Florida was um, Ilian Gonzalez. Uh, it was brutal. Which had happened earlier that year. I watched that happen. I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Janet Reno yep. uh, crashed. You know, she sent the, the police into the house. <laughs> the, you know, there's, there's a picture there's of, that image of, of the, of the, the child, the, yes. the, the cop with a machine gun. Oh, my God. So it was, it was terrible. Th- it was the year 2000. So I was 11 years old at the time. I vividly remember the Ilian Gonzalez situation. It was everywhere. everywhere. And the reason why it was such a big issue, because I think most people agree, if there's a father... And there's a child, and the child is not with their father. The child should be with their father, even yes. though he's in Cuba. Right. The mother died. The, the mother the died. Kid's alive. Trying to escape Cuba. Yeah. And the father's alive. The kid's now, I, I think, a pretty firm Castro loyalist. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, it's a good decision when you get to when you get to back to the prison to so, go along with the warden. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, so they trace that back to uh, they trace that back to. The issues going on there, the county, uh, the count, because they have county mayors, Alex Panea, who's the county mayor of Miami-Dade County, um, not backing Gore because he was a Cuban-American. He was worried about how people would feel about him with the Ilian Gonzalez thing because mm-hmm. Cuba was such a, because um, Cuba, the Cuban-Americans were obviously such an important voting block. And at the right. time, they were firmly anti-Castro yes. and, um, you know, politically more, probably more purple than than than, than red or blue. Right. And what they were saying is that situation with the Cuban, you know, Ilian Gonzalez, who was, a, you know, I guess essentially a Cuban asylee of, of some sorts, getting sent back to Cuba with his with his dad was what and and Panea's you know then uh, waffling on the uh, uh, on his support of Gore was essentially 
what cost him that election. I mean, aside from all the other stuff, that in and of itself, because it was such a politically charged issue, cost him the election. Because we were talking about Cuba right. and how, you know, one of the reasons why people coming from Cuba get a lot more deference is because, frankly, because Cuban-Americans in Florida are a very important voting bloc. Well, also, the policy for, for decades now has been wet foot policy. That you get off a boat, you know, a raft, whatever, and you, you put your foot on the land in America... You you're you are qualified for asylum if you're from Cuba. Yes, it's the only country that has that. Yes, right. So I, they, they did. I thought that for a time they had that with Venezuela. We, we for may similar have reasons. We may I, have but I think now. they might might have. But I'm not sure. It's a, it's a more recent policy with Venezuela. Yeah. Um. But the Cuban goes back to the Kennedy administration. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have that going on, and yeah. um, and so Elian Gonzalez, the son, qualified under that program. He he had a he he qualified for refugee status. However, he was an, it was just it's just. But diff- his mother died. He's an unaccompanied minor. Exactly. You he, know, his mother had brought him over, but she died in yeah. transition. He's the only person that lived from that. Exactly. And so there was like a lot of in the in the community. And you know what was interesting about it actually is the the Cuban the Cuban talk radio community. It was really what they said was heralded as you know the mouthpiece for the, a lot of the discussions that were happening on okay. this, and that they were beating the drum for Elian Gonzalez to stay here because sure. there's a lot of Cuban Americans again that were well, they, well, look, strongly about it. Life in Cuba is horrible. Life in Castro's Cuba is a disaster. I have a family member, a real family member, married into my family, whose family escaped Castro's Cuba. Comes here every year for the summer. Yeah, um, I see him all the time. My cousin George. Um, they lost everything. Yeah. When the communists took over, they, everything was taken. Right. I mean, he, he's made he's been very successful living in America, very successful in the banking industry. Um, Cuba is a disaster. It's an absolute hellhole to live in. That's why people die, including Elian Gonzalez's mother, trying to get out of there. Right. I mean, there's it's the only place, one of the, I mean, since the Berlin Wall came down, they used to kill people trying to get out of, the, out, of, out, of, out of East Germany, trying to get to West Germany, right? People get shot at the wall. That was a big thing. Yeah, it's not as dramatic now no. because there's no wall. But Castro's Cuba and, and now the continuing Castro family control is an absolute hell. That's why people die trying to get out of there. So, so we kind of went. Uh, this was kind of a, a digression from the original conversation. Right. I guy because it was my fault. I thought it was That's really. Right. I thought it yeah. was really interesting. I like it because I, I just watched that documentary and I, you know, there's a, it was a lot deeper. I could actually do a whole episode on it because it was it was so good. But um, but uh. But anyway, so um, uh, this Title 42, it, it is, we're both in agreement whether or not you think asylum seekers should come here or not. I happen to think they should, and I've already talked about this, and you don't agree that a lot well, of- legitimate asylum seekers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even some of the reasons that people, but even some of the reasons that people seek asylum that you think are legitimate, the Supreme Court has decided, or, or, or American law has decided, are not legitimate. There's an, uh, a case, I think, from about 30 years ago when someone was conscripted in the Guatemalan Civil War, um, which, uh, you know, happened over the span of 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, and had a lot to do, had a lot to do with you know, the United States meddling in affairs over there in Guatemala. Someone was conscripted and they didn't want to serve in that, in that, in that war, so they escaped and then they, the Supreme the Supreme Court had found that that wasn't actually a legitimate political reason okay. to not be conscripted to the army, which I, I mean, I think most people would agree it's not. But 
let's say, you know, whether or not you think the, the, the listed reasons are comprehensive enough, people who are seeking legitimate asylum should come here and shouldn't be denied, I think, under the guise of some uh, public health law that's about 70 years old that we hadn't heard about until just two years ago. Yeah. So I, I would say this, Marcus, that um, when you have legitimate reasons to limit the amount of people coming into the country, and if... if um, we have a migrant uh, policy, things like that. This looks to me to be like we want to enforce a law. We want to reduce the amount of people coming into the country. So we're just going to go along with this. Yes. Right? That's exactly it. And, uh, th um, that's exactly it. There's something dishonest about that. I think most of the people that in the administration, you know, that that helped, you know, in the Trump administration, including Trump himself, I think we're downplaying the pandemic quite a bit, too. So is it like, I think you got to pick one. I think you can't say this pub, this COVID-19 pandemic is over, whether or not it is, say it's over and then say we've got to enforce this law for public health purposes. Although, look, when you're in politics, power, yeah. you use leverage, levers of power to get your policy uh, well, yes. com completed, right? Some, some more legitimate than others. Um, that being said, um, I do think that the um, the Biden administration is probably glad that the Supreme Court did this for them. Yeah, I like, like I said, I, I've said this before. I, I think the Supreme Court's a pretty convenient excuse for them for to, to not do a lot of things that they don't want to do. And they kept Title Forty Two. They could have tr tried to stop it as soon as they got elected, but they kept it in place because they apparently agree with the policy. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Oh. Good evening. Hey, would, good evening. Would you guys both agree that the, um, you know, what is considered a contagion is is Title 42 in place to basically save lives? I think so, yeah. Risks? I think certainly to save American lives, yeah. So, you know, a lot of times people kind of play with definitions of what is a contagion, what is a family, you know, what I'm saying is, I understand they're talking about specifically COVID, right. but that's not the way Title 42 is written. Oh, interesting. And we have more people of certain demographics dying of fentanyl, and dead is dead. Yeah, but 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 um, but you can't really tie fentanyl to people uh, crossing the border through non-legal ports of entry. Like 90% of uh, illegal drugs come through the ports of entry. Like I know there's a depiction. I know there's a depiction of like, of like mules carrying sacks of drugs on their back across the border, but, but, I, but, what, but, but you're, are you trying to say that they ought to use the war on drugs as a way to implement title 42? Is that sort of what you're saying? No, I'm saying, saying that the, the language, you know, of title 42, doesn't necessarily say COVID. R right. It, it's any well, communicable no. disease. It might have been implemented supposedly because of COVID, but it says a contagion. Yes. And a lot of drugs, there's nobody's believing that the drugs are coming through certain ports of entry. The drugs are flooding here. It, it says that, existence of any communicable disease in a foreign country that there's a serious danger. It, it, it basically, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but, okay. but, but, but is it not a communicable disease? I see what you're but, saying. Fentanyl isn't a communicable disease. It's, right. it's contraband. It's I a product. I understand what, you're, what, you're, what your message is. more people than COVID. So right. why is it going to be... You know, if we can't figure out another, if nobody's willing to enact another policy that prevents the drugs from flooding into this country, killing all kinds of people we know, 
every day. Yes. Why is it that nobody's willing to do that and say we have to, you know, debate whether or not people are dying of COVID? Dead people are dead people. Yes. So, so I agree with you. And in fact, what, what, I'm, what my point is, is that why don't we face these things as they are, but, but, as opposed to trying I to stretch the, the definition. Cor- but, the correlation, but the correlation between uh, asylum seekers and, and border crossings through ports of entry and, and, the, and the drug epidemic isn't, I don't think, I think a little bit tenuous, uh, considering, again, that drugs well, come in through ports of entry. The largest fentanyl bust was uh ever was actually in philadelphia by the uh and it was coming in from china in the in the into the ports over there uh over by philadelphia and new jersey so i mean I, I, again i, I, I most of the drugs are coming in through place. ports of entry i know I'm it comes in through all is, of the place but i mean it gets in all over the place but i'm saying that there's, there's no trying to stop it number one and number two you know fentanyl may not be a communicable disease but it's a contagion by definition basically i i think it is and nobody's um, talking about it. And also, I have well, to know a lot of people with, with COVID right now. I, I think a contagion is something that you catch unwillingly. Yeah. Like, I mean, fentanyl is something that people do willingly. A, a, a contagion is a contagion has a medical fentanyl. definition. Fent, fentanyl fentanyl is contraband that you use. Uh, I mean, it, that's something that people are getting poisoned by. There's it. a I lot do, of people but, that have died of fentanyl that have not tried to ingest fentanyl. There right. are a lot of babies, yep. children, you know, cops, uh, first responders. There are people that are getting, you know collateral damage so, so i can agree with you but I, I do have to disagree with the with the with the no, i think no, it's no, a stre- no, i think no, it's no, a stretch no. i think it's i think it's p- playing fast and loose with the definitions of the words uh communicable disease and contagion Listen, honestly we don't even know what a woman is we, we're allowed no we do know what a see, woman is i, I you I know mean, we're not allowed to say what a woman is i think we are playing fast and loose with a lot of definitions now and i think this is a contagion that's what i'm going with have okay. a good night thank you, you as well thank you i mean i i understand she's trying to Get, get another reason on the table. And I don't disagree with her, but I, I think she's wrong about the, the definition of contagion. Um, obviously, Yeah, again, I, I, you're, you're playing fast and loose with the definitions of words. There's legal definitions of words. I, when, do, I do think that the, one of the things we're learning about this fentanyl issue is there are people dying from it, from unintentional ingestion. They, they don't know, they're not trying to use fentanyl, they're using other stuff. Um, they're using what they think is cocaine. Yeah, but they, yeah, yeah. Because the, 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 the touching thing has been, I think, I don't think broadly, the touching that, thing that's is been real. broadly debunked. I, I don't think it's but, real. But, but if you're saying like someone's trying to use a particular substance and they're finding fentanyl, that, right. it's a that, poison. that can happen. Yes. Um, I, that can happen, that has happened. That's happened with uh, different uh, other uh, illicit drugs being put into other things, I, I agree. But a lot of that too, you know, like... I think there's a lot of fentanyl is a very serious drug, and I know that as again as a criminal defense attorney, I've I've, I've seen it. I've right. seen how serious it can be. But um, the a lot there's a lot of moral panic around fentanyl too that that creates a lot of extrapolations like oh people that touch it just automatically die. Yeah, and but all there that. are people dying literally every day from it. oh there are you know for sure I mean? absolutely. Um, and and, it, and it, it is amazing how many people have died. And it is being manufactured in China, and it is being shipped over here, and it is coming through the southern border. It is, it, it is, as it's, one it's of coming the ways. Th- it, one of the ways it's coming through right. different ports, right? But it is, it is a Chinese product um, that is killing hundreds of thousands of yeah. Americans, and it also has been used for medical purposes. I get it. I've gotten it numerous times when I was in the hospital. Exactly, um, times I knew about because I was conscious. In fact, the last surgery I had, they used it. Yeah, they told me I had it done. The anesthesiologist, so we're going to give you a little fentanyl, and, and then I said, "Well, that's fine." I mean, mm-hmm. and she said, "Well, some people f- panic." I said, "Well, I trust that you're, you're that you know what you're doing." So, so there's um, 
I don't I hate bringing the show up because it's it's such a like a it's such like a constant and I don't think it's that good but the office yeah so there's an episode of the office and I, I it was something I because now it's syndicated it's on all the time and right. I just happen to be watching an old episode the one where Meredith gets hit by Michael in the car yes and Creed Bratton asks uh Meredith, what painkillers she's getting and he lists a bunch of them and fentanyl's just kind of thrown in the middle of that that episode was in like 2007 it's right. like 15 years right. ago i'm like oh right. that's interesting <laughs> Dan Laden. it's a it's, he does yeah. list them all off it's, it's hilarious it is it is funny but it's a in fact he does it just so to be to display he has an outwardly sized knowledge Yes. Of all the painkillers offered. Yeah, yes. and, and the, the, the thing is with fentanyl is that the reason it's had such broad applicability now is because they found it's a stronger kick and they can, you know, people people can cut the product for a stronger kick. And it's synthetically manufactured. Yeah, and it's synthetically it's not, it manufactured. It doesn't come from opioids. Um, yeah. It's synthetically manufactured. You don't have to farm it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, like, and, it, and it's being, like it's plants. coming here um, from both. China and South South Africa is the other place that is making it. India, yeah. India they basically shut it down. Um, which again, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, most of the quaaludes in America came from India. There's a very interesting uh, frontline documentary PBS on on how they did it. The American government basically went to the Indian government and made them shut down all the quaalude production. Right, it was the end of it. Yeah, which is what they're trying to do in China, but China's not playing along. Right, China is very happy to poison America. It's part of their giant United Front program against America. So, no, <laughs> yes, we're, we're kind of digressing again. I yes. think from uh, from 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 the Title Forty Two from Title Forty Two. I mean, again, this is why it's it's a good discussion. It has a lot of broad impl uh, implications about immigration policy. But what I think about Title Forty Two is also it's kind of used as this way to go around legislative action as well. I mean, right. that's what executive orders do. That's kind of the power of being the executive branch. But like these, you know, if you're an asylee, you, even if you cross legal ports of entry, there is U.S. code that says you're entitled to hearings and all of that. But yes. the Title 42 says it's not a deportation. It's a quote unquote expulsion. Okay. So you, you get around all of the due process that is afforded to asylum seekers. Right. So, you know, instead of, you know, people that really may want to change the law around how you can seek asylum, they're using this, I think, fairly obscure passage in a 70-year-old or 80-year-old law to say, well, uh, you know, it's a public health issue and we're just going to kick you out and not give you that due process because right. you're going to make somebody, you, you might make somebody sick. Right. So, you know, this again is, I think, goes back to, and we talk about this congressional inaction, you know, even when remember when bill keating came on our, you know our friend and he's a great guest and and a great congressman but when he came on he said he had dinner he had just had dinner with two senators right um chris coons and mark warner yes he said oh the, we we've got to get to the bottom of it we know we've got to do something about immigration right and i was like well yeah, and, and again but, bill keating is one of the more moderate uh, Democrats in the Northeast on immigration, illegal immigration. Um, and again, there's a, there's a big distinction between immigration and illegal immigration. Yeah. I mean, look, most, I wouldn't say most, well, yeah, maybe it was most of the doctors that I encountered were foreign born. Yeah. Okay. Both here at St. Luke's and at Mass General. Because well, we have Boston. a shortage. Right. Yeah. Right. We have a shortage of doctors. So the, but those people did not come illegally into the country, or they would not be working as doctors. You can't work in this country in a, in, a, in a qualified profession like being a doctor if you came here illegally. Maybe under DACA. But 
I'm, I'm safe. Bro, say, bro, most people. Right. Okay, sure. That, that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. That they, that they came legally through, into the country. We need legal immigration, and we need of lots course. of it. Yeah, right? yeah. We need lots of it. That is distinct from illegal immigration. Right. Because if you come here illegally, there's all kinds of restrictions on what you can do in the country and whether you can ever become a legal immigrant. Well, it is in nobody's interest to come here illegally. It really isn't. Well, if they want to have a better life in the long term. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of that might depend on where you're coming from and maybe even uh, maybe even hiding in sort of the shadows of, of, of citizenship might be better than maybe living in El Salvador, or Nicaragua or Guatemala. Right. But um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do again with how we probably have to fix the immigration laws, because if you if you were to like if you're if let's say you're seeking political asylum or whatever. And you, well, then that's not illegal. Yeah, but now it is apparently now you're getting kicked out. But let's say you come back yes. in and because you can't seek asylum, right? If you are found here and you are, you know, if you enter the country illegally yes. or not through a port of entry, you now have to leave for three years. Yep. And you can't, you have to go back to that country that you just left for three years. And if you do it again, then you have to leave for 10 years. Right. That was part of that IRA, IRA law in 1996 that probably needs to be amended because I think that draconian measure has done more to increase illegal, illegal immigration than to slow it. Well, at least has to be made clear on the other side of the border that, that it's not, you're not going to, that you, that you that it really could be hemming yourself up for decades right. by coming illegally. I think yeah. if most people understood the law, they wouldn't come here because they'd go, I'd rather wait then really get in a situation. Maybe. Again, I, th I think a lot of that depends. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hey, gentlemen. Yes. Um, question for you. Um, did Trump's um, skyscraper in uh, New York City get raided the other night? I don't believe, I don't know. Mm. And that mm. was fake on the uh, internet. There's something popped up where it said Trump's... Um, Trump Tower was nah. in New York City. No, nah. um, we would have known. I, I mean, I, I, I generally follow the news, so I, I haven't seen anything about that. I mean, on my phone, I get app notifications from WBSM, from the Boston Globe, from the New York Times. I do, <laughs> too. Like, I get them including yeah. some of the farm WPRI. Yeah. That would have come up at some point. And I, read the, I look at the Drudge Report every yeah. morning, and he's pretty much on the Trump stuff. He's still kicking around, huh, Matt Drudge? Hey, anyway, he's oh, doing all the quick. Elon stuff now. That's where he's making his bread and butter. Oh yeah, Elon, yeah. Still wear a fedora? I don't know. Matt Rudge is a big fedora guy. <laughs> hey, really quick, you guys want to hear some more Globe press room stories? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. Now I get it. Oh, um, I told you about the. Yeah, you told us about the shower guy. and the and the and the drugs. Yeah. Okay. And. Um, I don't know um, what else they used to do. Listen, if you think about it, give us a call back. i got to hit this break. All right? Yeah, thanks, bro. Wait. All right, thanks. Right. 1420 WBSM, New Bedford's News Talk Station. From the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. 
To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Hello, I'm Jose Hernandez, and I have been using a wheelchair since my accident in 1995. I guess if I had one message for the general public, it would be that I appreciate your help. But please, ask first. I know you mean well, but I've actually got everything under control. And if I don't, I'll ask for assistance. People with disabilities just want the same respect and consideration as everyone else. This is a message from United Spinal Association. Download our disability etiquette booklet at unitedspinal.org. Take South Coast tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now back to South Coast tonight. Welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. How hey, are you my doing? Friend. Good. How's it going? Oh, okay. Uh, could I take you away from Title 42 and sure. bring you back to something I've been pushing and hope that you guys can make a New Year's resolution to do this? Okay. And that is pursue the Boston market and get somebody from PBS up there or five or something to call into the show and uh, yeah. in relate. We'll do that. Yeah. You know, I know we, you and I, Marcus, talked about it before, and you said, well, that might be with competitors. Well, 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 I, I can't, I, I I can't don't have people on that are direct competitors. I look at it being collegial, yeah. you know. Yeah, if, yeah. Like, if you could find somebody up there like you have Ted DC and Tim White. Right. Uh, because yeah. that's where the power is. It's up there politically. And uh, I, I think even if you could get, uh, since you got Taylor Comier up there, maybe have some connection that uh, uh, maybe uh, talking politically would do a, uh, a segment on what you guys are doing down here with well, Adam Riley. I, I know. Ta- I know. Uh, I know Taylor goes on Barry's every uh, I think right. Wednesday. Right. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. But you have somebody in that area. I, I wish I had the connection to get you uh, in the Boston market and showing that this area is interested in politically what goes on up there and how it's going to affect yeah, us. I mean, you know, to that end, I think I've, I've had, we've had people that are powerful on Beacon yeah. Hill here and people that are going to be powerful on Beacon Hill here, you know, but well, I think his point is he wants I, Boston media, media people. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, that's what's good. That? What's that to Chris? your point, you, you're, you're saying what about Boston media people? Cause I do think that that, yeah. that, that they have the, um, Real ability to shape opinion. I, I've had yes, yes. You know, in my old show, I've had Globe. I've had Globe writers. Yeah. We can do that. I've had, um, you know, we 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 have Lisa Kravinsky. Lisa Kaczynski yeah. from Politico obviously well, writes the the playbook. We can we can start doing that. Well, let me ask you this question: Who is the lady from Fall River that was working with Jim Barrowdy on radio? Barbara Egan, Marjorie, Marjorie, Egan. Marjorie, Marjorie maybe, Egan. maybe her, maybe she would be willing to. Probably you know. again, those are competitors. Right, they're on competing radio. <laughs> well, how are competing do you mean radio competitors? I, you know, to me, uh, Nisi Be, you and can Mike listen to us or you can listen too. to them. That's competing. Right. What's that? You can listen to us or you can listen to them. That's competing. No, but I want you. I, I want them to come on your show and talk with you guys as Nisi and White talk about local things here. Right, but, but only but talk politically. Different mediums because Nisi and White are on TV. We're radio. Same right. thing with like Jack Spillane. Well, you know. okay, if, if we get off the radio, then I'm going back to Adam Riley. Uh, maybe you could get Rob Gray to come on. He's a Republican, yeah. okay? Uh, I think the other lady that goes on besides Marianne Marsh on Channel 5 is uh, uh, Virginia Buckingham, I think her name is. Yes, yeah, Ginny Buckingham, sure. Okay, yeah, you know, I, I'd just like to see you guys get more into the Boston political, uh, you know, uh, talk. And even if, like I said, PBS did a... A segment on you guys and what you guys are trying to accomplish down here by talking to Representative Keating and talking to Jake Arkansas. And uh, I, I, I think 
that's where the power lies. I think he makes a good point. I think point. it's a good point. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's a good point. point. Yeah. I think it's it's definitely something we should pursue. All right, uh, so you'll make the New Year's We'll make the New Year's resolution, yes. Sir. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have to call you tonight because I don't know as we get closer to the uh, – uh, to the new year, if you guys will be on, you know, because New Year festivities. This is a tough week. Yeah, this is, this a, is tough week. So, All right, so, so, so just to let you, just to let you know, we're we're on the rest of the week. So yeah. I'm on tomorrow. You uh, guys will be, we'll be back Friday. Yeah, I'll be yeah, yeah, you, yeah, we'll be back Friday, and then and then Monday we're off. Monday's the. Well, I, I understand that, but I figure you guys might have a few New Year parties that you might uh, consider going to close to Friday, I, and I, I I want to make sure he, I get my two cents. I'm going to try. I mean, I honestly want to just get back into the rhythm of being here. Uh, so, uh, you know, around the holidays, it it really changes, screws up my schedule. I would say. Yeah, it. I prefer what? no holidays. <laughs> 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 well, all right. As, as, long, you, as, as long as you stay true to the resolution and we shall. Uh, we will. make some inroads up there, then I, I, I'll, I'll feel I've been fulfilled. Well, I, I, my belief is this. When a regular caller, regular listener to us gives us their opinion, you're speaking for a lot of the members of the audience. I, I do believe that. I would hope I would do it, although I don't think I know all the members of the audience. No, but, but your opinion out. as a member of the audience... He, you're, when you say it, you are saying it for a lot of people. So I do, I do, I do take it very seriously. Well, I, I think ultimately, all of you that work on the radio, uh, the show is about the audience. Correct. I, yes. I, I know you guys are sort of like the catalyst that gets the audience going and gets people calling in. Uh, we merely but, turn the lights and the microphone on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I really. I mean, it's th this show is designed for you guys. I, I do think so. I think yeah. it's it's what it's all about, to tell you the truth. And I just see in the future, too, a lot of things happening with the rail coming down here. I don't agree that it's going to be the jobs thing that they say. I really think, because they talk about it up there, uh, Wu, the, uh, the uh, mayor of Boston. I've had her on. Yeah, Wu, the mayor of Boston, and... Uh, uh, Maura Healy, what is she going to do? They talk about a regional approach to mass cast. And yeah. I think the regional it's approach, as far as I'm concerned, is giving them tickets, putting them on the <laughs> train, me, and send them down well, and got all these services. I'm not kidding you. I saw a CNN special on, on Mass and Cass, right. and I saw someone from New Bedford in, uh, on it. There was yeah. someone from New Bedford that was on Mass and Cass. Oh, as, as, a, in, as, a, yeah, yeah, as a person that was... Yeah. Like like an addict, on like, like a yeah really? yeah yeah, yeah well, like, well, a way, again, like a wayfaring person. Uh, yeah. Again, too, I I just love to see a guy like Adam Riley and maybe Chris. You do it for a friend if you know what I mean, right? And have a segment on what you guys are trying to do down here and how you guys are trying to involve this area in the politics of the state of Massachusetts. So we're not just uh, at down here at the end of the line, you know that sort of stuff. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, All we right, appreciate take it. You have a nice uh, New Year. If I don't hear you or see you, you, or you will talk to you again before. We'll be here. We'll, we'll be, be here. here. We right. hope you are too. Okay, take care. WBSM app is ample from uh, the Boston media m yeah. market. To clarify, you know, I've had Ben Burke from the Publics Radio in Providence, but he covers this area. He right. he's added some of his stuff, uh, our stuff, into his work. We, right. We've done the same when, when it's when it's been necessary. But, but you know, I like, get the caller's point. But I get the caller's point yeah. too. Yeah, it, you know, we just you know we're, we have we're, to be selective about who we can work with. Yeah, who, 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 who can work with us? Yeah, just one of those right. things. Who, who we're allowed to work right. with? No, exactly, because, exactly. You know, we're, right, you know, right. So, Mark, I just want to point out one thing that. People should maybe start thinking about um, the January 
political deadlines. Uh, and by that, I mean the CDC in New Bedford and in area communities yeah. will have their funding coming up. So there are applications for CDC funding. It's available to be reviewed on the, on the New Bedford website and other yeah. websites. And I would just think, and then the city council will be voting on those. No, not a C- should look CDC, CPC. CPC, I'm sorry. Yeah. Community Preservation Committee, which for people who don't know is a... a hands out Community Preservation Act funds. Right. And I think people should start paying attention to that. Typically, that's yeah. That's coming up. In New Bedford, it's it's somewhere in north of a million dollars. Fairhaven, I was I, I was on the CPC in Fairhaven. It was about $600,000. So right. there's a lot of money that goes out money. to a lot of projects. And a lot of stuff that you see out there in the city has been the result of CPC money. Right. And even in Fairhaven and Dartmouth, et cetera. So, so start paying attention to that. Yeah, and I think we'll start having conversations uh, about it too um, as uh, as it goes forward because there's there's some stuff in there that I think people would want to know about. Right, and then the projects go to the full city council for a vote. Yeah, and they have to adopt the whole... They, they have to... It, it goes in committee where they can kick things out and, right. or not, or, but once it gets to the city council, they have to do a, a full council vote on everything yeah but they, they pull up each out each project out individually if they want to it, in, in committee on, yeah in committee once it gets to the council you got to do the whole thing or none of it it can't be separated not what's it's on the council floor okay the full council and the committee they can separate it interesting all right hey guys uh thanks for joining us we will uh, uh we'll see you tomorrow i'll be with carmen amaral for a ward three candidate and then on